Greetings race fans, welcome to Season 2020, Episode 18 of the Piscino Report, the show where we bypass all the hype and bring you the inside line on what's happening in the MotoGP paddock, direct from the mind of the master himself, Mr. Manuel Piscino. After two weekends of insane racing, we've got a small respite before things kick off again with a bang next week for the first of what's to be an awesome triple header in the Czech Republic and then Austria. The Yamahas dominated in Jerez, perhaps at the expense of their own engine longevity, mm. but now we come to a couple of tracks prime for Ducati power. Before we start interrogating the master about recent events, it's a warm hello to my amazing co-host, Andra. What a fantastic job you did last week without me. Perhaps I should just slip quietly out the back door and just let you get on with it. <laughs> yes, yeah, CSG. No, I'm still, I'm still absolutely amazed at Manuel. We were so behaved, and we did, we were quite mature in our, without any guidance from anybody. Um, episode eighteen. That's nearly my age. Oh yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> actually. Oh, okay. Don't we all feel eighteen though, right? So of it's course. not just me. Of but course. yes, hello everybody. Happy to be back again for another week. Hello, guys. Uh, here we are from. <laughs> From Spain, where it's incredible hot, 40 degrees is like uh, every day, but I'm ready for this new podcast and looking forward to, to have a chat with you and Fantastic. for the next races that are coming. That's right. That's right. So we're not going to uh, really dwell on what might be happening in the future. We thought given no the week one can off, predict it. Ex- exactly, no <laughs> one can predict it. It's it's a couple of long racetracks, Ducati Power. Oh, who knows? Can KTM keep up with them? Who knows? We will see. But realistically, we thought this was a really good opportunity, given that we've had two weekends of amazing MotoGP racing at Jerez, followed by a really good weekend of World Superbike racing. We thought this would be a really good opportunity to t- take a look at the two classes together and compare them over the top of one another. Now, I know Manuel loves all things two wheels, all things motorsport. So, Manuel, what are your thoughts about, um, before we look at the comparison, what are your thoughts about the World Superbike racing last weekend in Jerez? Well, uh, first of all, uh, this uh, comparison is always the the never-ending controversy, right? Between GP, World Superbike, there are some who prefer... Uh, Moto the prototype, e. yeah, oh. Moto E. No, there <laughs> are. Edra, <laughs> Edra. E. Apart from the the parents and the girlfriends oh, of the riders, yeah. there are many, you know. Oh, bless them. Oh, yeah, but bro. but I said, look, uh, Mot- uh, World Superbike and and MotoGP, it's uh, two worlds, completely two different worlds. Exactly, and there are people who like more one than others. Normally, normally mm. the English-speaking uh, era, era no area, likes yep. more World Superbike because the the English-speaking riders have been more protagonists than. The oh, other I've side. got my hand up there. Yep, but again, uh, it's a very good uh, moment to compare because we have seen the, the two championship racing in the same scenario within seven. Uh, days. In That's the, exactly right. In the same uh, weather conditions, mm-hmm. with the same uh, atmosphere, so it's a perfect time to compare. It is indeed, so Andra. Tell me, what's this World Superbike super competition we speak of? <laughs> no, you're <laughs> still getting up to speed I, with MotoGP. Is I was just thinking more? that. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know any of these riders. Can you just give me a quick... Fantastic. Obviously, it's a 
parallel competition? Is this about the bikes? Is this it's all about the bikes? Jump? That's exactly right. Where where MotoGP okay. is is a prototype series similar to F1. You know, it's not a car mm-hmm. you can you can go to a showroom to buy. It's pure prototypes. It's the pinnacle of of engineering on two wheels. Mm-hmm. Whereas that's MotoGP. World Superbike is all about what you can go and buy on the showroom floor. It's a ah. it's a it's a road legal bike that's just been potted up and had some extra engine okay. performance p- parts on it and and thrown onto a racetrack. So people can go and get bikes just like that. That's exactly right. Yeah, as they say, you race on Sunday and you buy on Monday. That's that's what it's all about. So okay. and, and as, Thank you. as cool. And as as Manuel was saying there, this um this comparison between the two, it's it's eternal. It's always happened. I was mm-hmm. always on the world superbike side of the fence for a long time, being of, of British heritage. Carl Fogarty was my hero, that was it. Um, and Jake but, Dixon, woo woo, yeah, go Jake, go JD, exactly. Um, <laughs> but we always knew that the MotoGP bikes were faster because they're prototypes. Um, mm-hmm. In recent years, that gap might have come down a little bit, uh, but it's it's always been there, hasn't it, Manuel? Yes, yes. But uh, uh, if you use the data from other years, there would be also this uh, question mark about because normally MotoGP was raced in May. And mm-hmm. uh, superbikes in Jerez were raced in September, but this time we have again same scenario within seven days, the same weather condition, and mm-hmm. also important at the same hour of the day. That's right. So, so it's as it's close fun. as you can get to a proper comparison. That's right. Yes, and there is another thing that will help us is that we will choose for this comparison two riders who have basically performed the same. This yep. is Fabio Quartararo. And Scott mm-hmm. Redding in World Superbike. Yeah, both, perfect. Both uh, uh, made pole position. Mm-hmm. Both won two races. Mm-hmm. So it's the perfect. And both made also the fast lap uh, of the race. Yeah. Right? Yep. So we exactly. have the, the perfect situation uh, to... Oh, and he's a rookie. As, sorry, I'm Googling as you were talking. So he's a rookie too. <laughs> Who's Scott Redding? Yeah. Yeah, as far as World Superbike goes, he is, that's right. But interestingly, okay. Scott Redding uh, is very recently was a MotoGP rider. He came through the Moto2 ranks, through the, through the mm-hmm. junior classes, into MotoGP. Ah. Um, didn't do very well, and so he's, he's stepped to the side, and now he's been picked up by World Superbike. Does which... that happen often? That was going to be one of my questions. Do the riders yeah. switch between these very much? Yes, because World Superbike is kind of the B-League, okay? So yep. when uh, riders are the, at the end of their career, normally they stick the career in World Superbike. There are some o- other examples on the other way around. Okay, we have to say that some uh, World Superbike riders switch to MotoGP as well. Mm-hmm. So this happens, but Troy normally Bales. Troy Bailey's. But normally, Andra, the the riders that come from World Superbike into MotoGP, they do don't do well. There is no mm. One um, rider who has been brilliant in World Superbike and then has mm-hmm. had, had had the same shine in MotoGP. While yeah. on the other way around, ex MotoGP rider went to mot- uh, to World Superbike and won different championships. Mm-hmm. We had so other bikes. And I, I may be way off here, but my head jumps to how we've had conversations with about the size of the riders and some. You know, when we spoke to Remy Gardner, he's a bit bigger. Mm. Or I think Jake's a bit bigger than some of the riders. Is that can they do better on the super bikes if they're bigger and not the right stature for MotoGP? Is that one of the aspects? 
I don't think so. I don't think so. The rider is the rider, and um, you know, again, rider who did more or less in uh, MotoGP went to World mm -hmm. Superbike and won the championship there. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, like Max Biaggi, like Carlos Checa. Uh, these are the one names that I just uh, remember. Mm -hmm. Marco, Marco Malandri? Malandri. Did he win a World Superbike Championship? I don't know. I don't know. I, don't I know he's, anyhow, he's done very look, well out of it, yeah. The, the, the thing is uh, clearly that the performance of the MotoGP bikes are in another level, right? Oh, it is completely. We can see perfectly, and using these two Grand Prix, we can see, for example, that in the race, um, to have a good idea, what did we do here? We the superbike race was 20 lap race, okay? MotoGP mm -hmm. was 25 lap. So we used the first 20 lap uh, in uh, in MotoGP and put them alongside the superbike. And what yep. did we see? That We saw basically that um, the lap times of uh, MotoGP are two seconds faster per lap yeah. In Jerez, which is a very short track, okay. So yes, at the, yeah. at the wow. end, of, yeah. yes, at the end of that race, about uh, twenty laps, the difference between MotoGP and World Superbike is fifty seconds. Mm -hmm. That is a lot. Yeah. Or at least looks like a lot. Okay. True. Be because then uh, we have to ask ourselves if these two seconds are many or few considering the difference of the bikes yeah the tires which are which is your opinion i i don't think it is a lot realistically when you when you consider the the rubber that the world that the super bikes are wearing versus what the what the motor gp bikes have got and the team structures that the motor gp teams have versus the world superbike teams i think it's a it's a, it's a respectably small amount realistically but i don't see that ever getting any smaller i know there was a lot of talk recently that that gap is getting smaller and smaller um there's that much money pumped into um production bikes factory bikes by you know especially the the, the big uh, japanese uh marks you know suzuki yamaha honda those guys um trying to make those bikes physically faster on the racetrack so they can tout the times being near MotoGP times. And in past years, especially at Jerez, as, as Manuel has said, because those leagues are run at different times of the year, the, the times that they've posted have looked quite similar. I was going back through some of them today. Like, say, for example, 2017, qualifying time difference was less than 0.7 of a second between the two of them. Fastest lap race pace was less than 0.6 of a second between them. And so round about this time, this is where... The factory bikes, the production world superbikes, are saying, "Look how fast our bikes are! They're so close to MotoGP." But there's so many other factors, aren't there, Manuel? Yes, in the, in this case, uh, the pole position, what the difference between MotoGP and World Superbike was 1.7. You just yep. mentioned how much? Zero point. Zero point seven. So that's a, that's a yeah, second yeah, a lap yeah. difference. Exactly. Just one for second. atmospheric conditions. Yeah. So, and here the question is, uh, Stu and Andra, to ask, where is this difference? Is this difference in the tires? Is it this difference in the riders? Is it in the bikes? Mm. So basically the, the answer is in all three of them, right? A little bit of everything. But even yeah. too, like the MotoGP bikes, and because this is the first year I've actually followed it, are they as fast so far this season as they are normally coming out of the whole pandemic? 
good point there, is it, Andrew. Is it com- are you is it realistic to compare it to the current times? It's interesting to note that the uh, qualifying and race lap times at MotoGP this year were slower than last year. Yeah, there you go. I've, I answered it all for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, sorry, I didn't even, I, yeah. I'm just putting my apprentice hat on. Yeah, and in fact, they haven't really they haven't really changed in the last six years. I'm ju- I'm just having a quick look here. MotoGP 2015 pole position time was a 137.9, whereas now this year it's a 137.0. So that's 0.9 of a second mm. in so six years. Yeah, but That's- you have to consider too. There are so many things because the the circuit has been uh, re resurfaced, resurfaced, yep. and yep. so many. And the heat, you know, they exactly. have been racing in an incredible heat this time. Yep. And As the you say, the tire main- compounds have changed as yeah, well. Yeah. Do but- they also? Is there a bit of obviously there's privacy around the MotoGP bikes and the the additions development that they do? Are super mm. super bikes similar, or is that are they more open about the things they're doing to the bikes to improve them they're very tightly controlled in what they can do to the world superbikes. it's a okay. there is a there is a there's a standard bike that is homologated so it's a, you know, a a normal basically a bike that you put on the on the showroom floor and there is mm-hmm. a, a limited list of things that they can do to modify those bikes from that specification um, okay. so it is very tightly controlled so yes you start from a given bike in yep. superbike right in MotoGP, you start from a Clean uh, uh, white sheet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And another thing, another another to see how the difference of performance is is the top speed. The top speed of of a MotoGP bike in mm-hmm. in this Grand Prix was two hundred and eighty three k's, while the top speed of uh, a superbike is two seventy seven. So yeah. it's a interesting time difference. So mm-hmm. and there is also look. We see that the performance here with this uh, pure performance with this speed difference is clear that the bike has uh, in pure performance difference. Then we have to go down to the riders. The riders, uh, with all respect, the riders in World Superbike, they aren't at the level of the riders in MotoGP. Okay, if you compare the 10 best in MotoGP with the 10 best in World Superbike, it's clear that there is a big difference in the level. Do yep. they all come from the same place and they have a point where they choose their pathway? Yeah, there's just gonna... a factory where they churn them all out. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, obviously the ultimate for everyone is MotoGP, but do some of them go, nah, I want to get in there and do Superbike? No, any, yeah, any, as, anyone as... who has a chance to jump in MotoGP immediately mm-hmm. leaves wherever okay. he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, yeah. But these Again. riders all then sort of grew up together, race together, and then end up in, their, in the A class or the B class or... Uh, for for the majority, I'd say for, for a large part of it, they do. The European riders probably tend to gravitate mm-hmm. to to the same leagues. The highest, you know, for for the national mm-hmm. leagues, you know, you've got the Spanish and the and the and the Italian national leagues. The when the younger riders are coming through, they 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 probably really aspire to to get to those leagues. There are obviously exceptions to that. You know, you've got the the, the American or Australian riders. Have we had Aussies sometime. in the superbike? Yeah, yeah, oh, oh heck yeah, yeah. Troy Ooh. Corsa, Troy Bayliss, those guys have been okay. absolutely fantastic. As long as your name's Troy, they're, they're yeah, good. Yeah. Aaron Slight, the Kiwi, he was amazingly successful there as well. You know, so you, you've had you had plenty of um, plenty of riders from different areas. Um, but I think the truth in what you're saying there, Manuel. Again, I'm just looking here through Scott Redding's career statistics, and and yeah, he grew up coming through the one two fives and Moto two into Moto GP. 
So he was, what's that? One, two, three, four, five. That's 10 years. No, sorry, 11 years. He was in the MotoGP paddock as he was coming through the leagues. He never placed any higher than second, and that was in Moto2, okay? After that, he was 12th, 13th, 15th, 14th, 21st. Never did any good in the top class. He he finished at the Aprilia Grassini team in 2018, went to BSB, went to British Superbikes, and immediately won the whole championship. What does that tell you? Explain that. Yeah, exactly. That tells you again, as as Manuel was saying, the quality of rider required in world in um, Mm. in MotoGP is so much higher than it is in superbikes or world. As you would expect. Yeah, exactly. And then he's come to World Superbikes this year, and as soon as he's gotten on a bike, he's won two races. Yes, we are talking about the rider who, when he was in MotoGP, he finished 14th, 13th. So immediately he switches to a British uh, Superbike and wins the championship. Then he switches to a World Superbike, and he's now the leader of the the championship with a big advantage. So you can really see... And mm. again, it's not taking a merit from anybody, but the truth is there and the statistics are there, you know. That's that's exactly right. And that's a good point, Manuel. At, at this point, for everyone listening, I do just want to make the point that we're not bagging out Scott Redding at, at this point. He's a fantastic rider. He's, he's had a, an amazing career so far, and I'm sure he will have success in the future as well. Um, but his, his future is possibly just not placed in MotoGP. Uh, but as a world superbike rider, he, he may have found his niche. Still be and, a champion. And Andra, for another <laughs> example that is devastating is uh, the cost of a mm-hmm. top team in World Superbike and the incomes mm-hmm. of a World Superbike uh, champion and mm-hmm. a, World okay. Superbike, a MotoGP Superbike champion. For example, look, the, the top teams until this year has been in World Superbike, Kawasaki, right? They have won... Yep. Four or five years in a row, I don't know. Someone like that, Jonathan Ray. Dominating there, yeah. Love him or hate him. Their budget (laughs) for a whole season, I would say that is not more, it's between three and four million uh, US, Mm. one season, okay? The top top winner in in Superbike, who is uh, Jonathan Ray, he makes around one million per year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you put this on the other side, and you take the top rider in uh, MotoGP. Mark Marquez is making around twenty million a year, yeah, mm-hmm. com- compared with one million. Yeah, you know, that you budget know, doesn't yeah. even cover the catering bill in <laughs> in one of the satellite teams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and imagine the cost the cost of a season for Kawasaki mm-hmm. should be well the team three four million for Honda. Exactly. The cost is around eighty million. So that's insane. You know, then the question is. Are these two seconds worth the money they are spending? That's you read my mind there, Manuel. That's that's a difference of yeah. What's that? Seventy something million. So one point eight seconds a lap cost you seventy million dollars. There's the headline. Is it worth it? And but as far are as, these companies making money? Sorry, to well, mean your buddy, no, but. no. You're you're right. That's the question I was I was just about to pose. As far as Kawasaki is yeah. concerned, and we've we've spoken about this really briefly in one of the one of the previous episodes about why Kawasaki hasn't gotten back into MotoGP. Mm-hmm. They're winning in World Superbike, and so because they're winning, they're selling motorbikes off the showroom yeah. floor. Exactly. So why would they invest another seventy million dollars 
because you're not going to see much of a change in motorcycle sales on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on the showroom floor for doing and, that. So and, why would they invest it? That's true. And not only this, because the image, if you win, you have a winning image. If they would switch yeah. to MotoGP, oh. mm-hmm. they would be not better than they, Honda. They would they'd be, be you know, behind KTM. You spend Which means a they're lot still incredible, money, but not yeah, stand for, out. for mm. almost nothing. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, if we consider these uh, reasons, what about Formula One? Why is Mercedes in Formula One? You mm. know, why is Alfa Romeo in Formula One? At the end, yeah. it's a matter of prestige. It's a matter of uh, developing technology. It's a matter of the ultimum uh, racing. You know, that's the engineer. Yeah. That's the maximum for the engineers. That's it. Yeah. It's to, to, to show that you can do it and you have the professionalism to do it. That's exactly right. So here we are. I think we will never, ever uh, find the proper answer of if it's worth or not. What is <laughs> it, better? Yeah. And, and I, for, look, I don't think we'll ever find those two seconds a lap, to be perfectly honest. And I don't think we should, really, because no, because that takes away from the whole point of World Superbike versus MotoGP. One's a, one's a production bike. One's a prototype. I think if a production bike is going as fast as a prototype, all that tells me is you've got to put a rocket up the guys that are making those prototypes because those things clearly aren't going fast enough. Look, I think to, to finish my, my position here, I am very clear. What makes me uh, prefer MotoGP to World Superbike is that on the riding, when you just watch the riding, apart from technology and everything, you can see that the MotoGP riders are much, are much more on the edge. You know what I mean? Yep. You see that mm-hmm. they are much more on the limit. I don't know if it's because of the tires, because of if the, the bikes are really racing bikes and they are so radical. So mm. you can see that they are fighting with the bike. You can see they are struggling. While yeah. in, uh, in World Superbike, these guys are riding fast, but in a normal way. You understand yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's almost a yeah. Sunday ride in the hills with their friends. Exactly. But obviously doing in another level. But when you watch, yeah. you don't see nothing that <gasps> scares you constantly. And that's no. why I prefer well, That's GP. why we watch... Not, not unless Carlos Checkers riding. GP. <laughs> Indeed, that is, that's why we watch MotoGP, is to be excited. Yeah. The sort of yeah. things that we see people like Mark and Fabio, and especially the new generation of riders coming through these days, you know, when they, when they lose the front into a corner and somehow, somehow manage to pick it up on their elbow or something, they, they push it back up on their elbow and they, and they regain that traction and just keep going around that corner, you'd never, ever see a World Superbike rider doing that. It tied itself in knots. That's about the bikes a bit, isn't it? Like, I mean, it's obviously a, the riders, yes. It's about the bike no, and the, the rider. That's right, yeah. Yeah, the bike can do these extra crazy things. It can indeed. Yep, yes, because for. look, taking your words, because when Scott Redding was in MotoGP, he was one of the most spectacular riders, sliding yeah. and elbowing and whatever. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. he rides like going to church every Sunday, fast, Mr. Smooth. I wonder what changed him. What do you think changed his style of riding? Because obviously it sounds like that riding, the way he rode in MotoGP is how he should be. No, not how he should be because he's obviously kicking ass in Well, you you look at the bikes bikes. he was riding in MotoGP. For for a a lot of the time he was riding in that paddock, he was on 125s and the Moto2s, which were 600s at the time. Okay. So they're a lot smaller bikes, realistically. 
before my time. Even the MotoGPs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even the MotoGP bikes, they are physically smaller and lighter than a, mm-hmm. um, than a world superbike. And so, yeah, he was adapting his riding style to the, to the mm-hmm. smaller, lighter bike. that You can throw it around. As Manuel said, you know, you can get your elbow down and, and, and prop the thing up. On a, on a factory superbike, it weighs 200 and something kilos. You, you physically can't do that. It's, it's just not possible to be able to do it. So my question to you, because I didn't watch this last night until, every, until about an hour of messaging between you guys <laughs> before I realised there was even anything on because I've been counting the days to next weekend. Yeah. Should I watch superbikes or should I stick to MotoGP? Uh, hang on. Did, did you enjoy the excitement of the MotoGP over the last two weeks? Yeah, I paid the, a little. The overtaking and the battles. Oh, all that. and the, even yep. the crashes and you, the... You should, you should yes. totally watch World Superbike. You should totally watch World Superbike. Really? Yeah. The, the, <laughs> Manuel, what, Manuel, For all the what, listeners, what Manuel's, Manuel's giving us a strong thumbs down into the, into the <laughs> all camera. Right. All right. I have another ladies question. Ladies and gentlemen. No, hang on. At this point, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> feel free to comment, send us an email, let us know. If you like MotoGP, you're listening to this clearly because you like MotoGP, let us know. Do you also watch World Superbike? Do you think World Superbike is as much of a circus and a show as MotoGP? Sorry, Andrew. Manuel, go. if you had to choose out of Moto E and Superbikes, which would you oh, choose? That's not fair. I feel like it's a silly question, but is it? I just have to think about it. <laughs> Oh, that's Moto, good. Let, let's say Moto E because it's close to Moto GP. No, really. Look, <laughs> Moto in the title. <laughs> no, but you know, uh, uh, Superbike really doesn't give me any, and sorry for that excitement. You know, I have it's been okay. watching Moto GP and the 500s and all this yeah. stuff. So the riders it, are. Completely in another level. Completely, it is. Look, it's a completely the, different the, formula. The, the but it sounds like you've got to appreciate it for what it is being different. It's different. Yeah, but look, the the most the uh, the rider who has impressed most in superbike in the last year was the American Ben Spies. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. he came from from the US and won easy and very surprising. You know. Yep. Then he switched into MotoGP. MotoGP and. Nothing. <laughs> exactly. Nothing. Yep. Yeah, you look as we've spoken about previously, look at Jonathan Ray when they put him on a MotoGP bike. Nothing again. And he's but he had just a uh, small chance, but Ben, ben Spies, I think, had two seasons to show he something. And at the end, seasons. it was uh, really a shame because everyone thought that the Americans came back or were back with Ben. With ben. Yeah. Well, everybody was enamoured because of Nicky Hayden at, at that time when Ben Spees came in. You know, Nicky Hayden had just succeeded and he, he came from Superbikes as well. So it was, a, it was a wonderful time indeed. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was an absolutely fantastic conversation. I think we'll probably leave it there. We're, uh, we're, we're going to try to wrap this up a, a, a little bit quicker than we normally do. We normally It's hard, but we're going to try hours. our best. It <laughs> is very difficult indeed. Um, Andrew, did you have some closing comments? I do. Please jump on social media, drop us a message, listening to the podcast. If, you could, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, share it, subscribe. If you can rate us, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah, we're, we're enjoying this very much. Keep the messages Indeed. coming. I've got a few chats going on with people, which I'm really enjoying, and they're, they're actually helping to educate me as well and bring on next weekend. Perfect. 
And feel free to tell all your friends, co-workers, family, you know, that guy in the bus always smells of cheese, everyone. <laughs> tell them all about us so they can drink in the audio goodness that is the Pacino Report. Oh, yay! <laughs> <laughs> see you all next week. Bye-bye. Oh, we'll see bye you all bye. next see week. See you next episode. Ciao.